Welcome to Inspired by Purpose. Each week, we roll out episodes of successful, purpose-inspired entrepreneurs to inspire and empower you. My name is Dr. Ozzy Jankovic, and I believe that purpose is what inspires us to make our greatest impact. I'm so grateful that you're here. Now let's get started. All right, everyone, we're delving into happiness hacks for life and business inspired by the Jewish happiness holiday of Purim. These are universal lessons. These are universal happiness hacks that anyone can use no matter what you're celebrating. Before we get into everything we're going to talk about on happiness, I have a very happy announcement for you. In honor of the relaunch of this podcast and 1,500 followers on our Instagram, we are doing a $1,500 giveaway. This includes a copy of my book, Beyond All Things, a $150 gift card to Amazon, and a $1,350 purpose package of coaching. That's a tongue twister. It's the purpose package of coaching for life and business. You can check out all the details and you can enter to win. The winners are going to be announced on March 16th. So head on over to drozzy.co backslash giveaway to enter today. All right, so let's get into the universal happiness lessons from the Jewish happiness holiday of Purim. Now, you might be wondering, what is the holiday of Purim? And the holiday of Purim is based on a story that happened in ancient Persia. There was a king named Ahasuerus, and one of the workers of this king, Ahasuerus, had by the name of Haman, was plotting against the Jews. So here was this man, Haman, who was up high in government working with the king, and he literally wanted to decimate the entire Jewish population. So there was an extremely brave woman named Esther. She was very smart. She was very purpose-driven, and she made her way to marry the king and influence him to completely overturn this decree to kill the Jews. This would have been this would have been a genocide. This was a very very serious threat, and because of the bravery of this one woman, the entire plot was overturned. And this is why we celebrate. We celebrate because we were saved and the outcome was very, very favorable, very positive. And we lived and we thrived. So it's a happiness holiday. It's a, it's a holiday about the power of women and the, the influence that women have as well. So I think we can all start off being really happy about that and knowing that we have this incredible role model who modeled strength and bravery and leading with purpose to literally save an entire population. So on this day where we commemorate what happened, there are all different types of customs. There's celebrating, there's dressing up, there's food involved, and there's a lot of really deep Kabbalistic, mystical ideology that surrounds the holiday as well. The first 
Kabbalistic piece that I want to share with you is something that I heard from Rev. Dove Bear Pinson in his talk about Purim. And what he says is that Purim is a holiday about the certainty prevailing over doubt. And he speaks about a character in the story who led the Jewish people to their victory. And this character's name is Mordechai, and he worked in conjunction with Esther to make sure that there was a victory and that the Jewish people would be saved. So he represents certainty. And he fought for something alongside Esther that they both believed in. They fought with purpose and they won. Now you can imagine, here was this population that was at threat by a very, very powerful government. And in approaching this government and in trying to be influential and overturn this decree, you can imagine that they could have faced a lot of self-doubt. Anyone who's going up against power, who's trying to overturn something, who's looking to be a disruptor in a system, is going to be facing the establishment. It could be really, really easy to fall victim to doubt in that circumstance. But what we learn from their example is that when we operate from a place of purpose, we can operate from a place of certainty and we can prevail. Now, doubt is an issue that plagues every human being. A few years ago on the podcast, I interviewed Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky. He was a great spiritual teacher who at the time was 92. And he actually passed away one year later in 2021, but I had the opportunity to speak with him. And what he said after a long career as a psychiatrist and a rabbi was that the central challenge in our lives is to overcome self-doubt. And he explained that, you know, in Judaism and in a lot of religions, as we know as well, there's an idea that there's a fight between good and evil. In Judaism, it's called the two wills. There's a will to good and a will to evil. And he said, you know, a lot of people might think that this will to evil is the will to do sins or to do things that are not good. And what he explained is that there's something we can learn about this will to do evil that is completely different from what we've been told. And he said that this evil is actually the incarnation of self-doubt. Every inclination to go astray to do evil is being driven by self-doubt. Now, it's a pretty deep concept. It takes some time to think about, but as I thought about it and as I sat with it, it started to make a lot of sense to me. And what the rabbi explained to me is that the spiritual battle of our lives is overcoming that self-doubt. Being really present, realizing everyone can suffer from self-doubt, but it's our job to have certainty and to persist. Interestingly enough, last week I was scrolling through Instagram and I came across a post from a business guru named Alex Hermosi. He said that one of the ways he's persisted and had so much success in business is by having certainty over his doubt. He said that the way that this comes up for him is that anytime he notices a voice in his head that says, why bother? Why do this? Why continue? Just give up. He doesn't listen. He says, you know what? This is the voice that most people listen to. When this voice comes up, why bother? Why continue? Most people give up and they don't go the extra mile. 
So he consciously listens to the voice and he persists through it because that's where he knows he'll be running the extra mile. And that extra mile is the emptiest mile of all. That's where people go to become high performers and to succeed. I love that so much. And I have to say on a side note, Alex Hermosi spoke about turning his phone to grayscale to be less addicted to the phone. And I actually did that last week. My phone is gray now. I'm testing it out. I'll keep you updated. But um, really funny hack. And I think it reminds me also of Purim because Purim is a very, very colorful holiday. And that is part of what makes it so happy. So if you are to attend a Purim party or to observe Purim, chances are you're going to see people dressed up in colorful costumes. So dressing up on Purim is a widespread custom. And I actually grew up celebrating Halloween and dressing up for Halloween. I, I grew up in a more secular environment and we'd wear Halloween costumes. And I remember looking back on the day and parties and they were always so festive and exciting because of those costumes. Now, as an adult, I started observing the holiday of Purim as I became more traditional. And it's a very similar experience in terms of dressing up. Totally different holiday, but the dressing up piece is the same, which is a lot of fun. And our kids dress up, we dress up, and there's a lot of power in that. So I think of Dr. Esther Perel and how she talks about the power of play. And this idea of dressing up, we're actually playing, and that promotes psychological well-being. And the more well we feel and the safer we feel, the more we're inclined to play. So by dressing up and doing something playful, we're actually doing something phenomenal for our mental health and our psychology. It's really interesting to note the power of clothing in general. So we learned from Purim that dressing up festively can increase our joy. And when we look at clothing in general, we can see how what we wear on the outside projects a certain energy and it can even help us to feel a certain way. Now, we can imagine certain outfits, like in the creative entrepreneurial world, we might see denim and white shirts or black shirts, kind of like the Steve Jobs thing. In the more buttoned up corporate world, we might see suits. And if you imagine someone like a judge or a graduate from university, you'll see these very regal robes and hats. With each outfit, there's a feeling that's associated with wearing that thing. So. In terms of Purim, we dress up fun and funky, and it gives us that playful feeling. And I think it's also something we can apply to any day of our, of our lives, depending on what we want to feel. So if we want to feel sporty and we want to feel athletic, let's put on some sport clothes right when we wake up. And if we want to exude professionalism and feel professional, even if we're working at home, we can get dressed up and do that too. The clothes that we wear can really help us feel a certain way. So that's another takeaway from the lesson of Purim on happiness. All right, the next one is really deep. And there's actually a commandment on the holiday of Purim to listen to the story of what happened in ancient Persia. And the story of what happened in Persia is read on a special scroll called the Megillah. And two times you listen to the story, once at night and once during the day. And it's powerful for a number of reasons. One of them is connecting with the past, connecting with your heritage, connecting with your stories, 
And no matter where you are and what your background is, there's something really powerful about knowing where you came from and living that legacy. There's also something really powerful about learning from the past in general. You can take one book that has been written about a lifetime of an individual, a lifetime of lessons, and you can consume it in a book in a matter of hours. That really does a lot to evolve our species, if you think about it. Another piece of telling stories is the way that we make meaning out of our own lives. If you're doing therapy, there are several different types of therapy, and one of them is narrative therapy, which is retelling a story in the form of a narrative. Another type of therapy is talk therapy, where you might talk through your stories or what's happened to you. And both of those fulfill a lot of different purposes. One of my friends, Shira Sheps, started a project called The Layers Magazine and The Layers Project. She explores the stories of different women and creates beautifully crafted stories to package them up, make meaning, and communicate the lessons of those stories. I'm going to link to her work in the show notes, but I want to share with you that several years ago, I worked with her to write one of my stories, and it was one of the first times I ever talked about mental health publicly. And the process of retelling the story and packaging it up in a way that it meant the most and made sense to me was incredibly transformational. It went so far in my healing and making me feel really, really empowered. So that's another way that we can learn from this storytelling idea of Purim to enhance our own lives. Another interesting thing to note is that if you're listening to the story being read out loud, there's a custom to boo and make noise and stamp your feet every time you hear the name of the bad guy. So that is, it's a really high energy moment wherever you are when you listen to it. And there's a feeling that goes along with this like booing and stamping of your feet. And it makes me think of a very powerful strategy that is also used in personal transformation and therapy. This is something I originally learned about from Dr. Edith Eva Eger. And she says that the opposite of depression is expression. So one way that she helps her clients get through hard times and trauma is through expression. And she knows a lot about expression and about getting over hard times because, well, first of all, she survived the Holocaust and she survived the Holocaust as a young girl and almost died in a death march. She had a broken back and she was rescued and she had such a huge healing journey ahead of her on so many levels. Now, later in life, she went on to become a doctor of psychology and to help some of the people who suffer the most from trauma and a feeling of victimhood. And she talks a lot about empowerment. And one of the ways we can become empowered, she explains, is by expressing our emotions. So she gives several examples of times in therapy where people actually, you know, get their anger out and express their anger in all different ways. So if you need help with this, I'm definitely not a psychologist. I'm not a medical doctor. I recommend that you seek out help, but in a more general way and and for more general day-to-day life experiences, there can be a lot of power in expressing, expressing our emotions, whether it's with other people or even by ourselves. And that can be a really powerful lesson that we also take away from reading that Megillah. There's another deep and highly spiritual lesson that we learn from Purim as well. And in this book that we read, 
of the retelling, the name of the divine is never mentioned once. So whether you call it God or the divine or the universe or the oneness, whatever it is that you call what brought us into existence and what keeps us in existence, there is always something spiritual hiding in our lives. And that's the lesson. In every single moment, there is divinity hiding. This is a really powerful lesson to take away from Purim on a spiritual level and also on a psychological level and a performance level. Looking for the divine hand and looking for the good in any moment helps us move away from our natural bias toward negativity. As humans, we can have a bias quite easily to look for negativity and look for threats and to be critical. And instead of doing that, this practice of looking for the divine hand and looking for meaning and positivity and opportunity in every moment in life or business, looking for the get good opens up worlds. So we can ask ourselves in any moment, no matter how difficult it seems, how could this possibly be good for me? Now, I know this is not an easy pill to swallow. I've been through times where asking myself that mere question was not the answer, was not the immediate answer. But I think in general, if we accustom ourselves to that practice, even sometimes after we get through a hard time, we can ask ourselves, how could this possibly have been good for me? What did I learn and what can I do with it? We open ourselves up to so much possibility. All right, so here's another insight about doubt and uncertainty that comes from the Kabbalah. I learned this in a class in the old city of Jerusalem from a teacher who shared from a Kabbalistic book. And what she says is that there are two words, truth and falsehood. There's a word for truth and there's a word for lies. And the shape of those actual words teaches us a lesson. The word for truth is Aleph Mem Taf. Aleph is the first word of the Hebrew alphabet. Mem is the one in the middle and Taf is the one at the end. So truth encompasses everything else. It encompasses the entire language. And truth is what we stand firmly on. Now, interestingly enough, all three letters of the word emet, the word truth, stand on two legs. I'm going to put a copy of the words in the show notes so that you can see that every single one of these letters stands on really firm ground. What this teacher shared with us is that when we live from a place of truth, we stand on two legs. And she also shared that Kabbalistically, when we hear the voice of the divine in our hearts, it's firm. It's still, and it may be quiet, but it's a very firm voice. On the other hand, the word for falsehood, the word for lies is sheker, shin, kuf, resh. And every one of those letters stands only on one leg. They're very, very wobbly. And what she explained is that those lies, those are the thoughts that are running around the head should I do this and should I do that and what will they think and all of the self-doubty voices and confusion, those are the voice of lies. So what she explained is we can quiet down and we can tune in to our hearts, listen to our hearts and do that practice, do a meditation practice to get really, really clear about what that voice is in our heart. And you know, speaking of hearts, Something really cool that I learned from the HeartMath Institute 
is that simply by drawing our attention to our heart, we increase our natural intelligence. We increase our emotional intelligence and we actually improve our overall health. So there's some really cool wisdom from Kabbalah and some really actionable health advice that you can do in a matter of minutes. All right, a few more really powerful takeaways about the day of Purim on happiness. The next one is all about giving. And on the holiday of Purim, there's a commandment, an actual commandment that we're supposed to give meals to other people. And what ends up happening is that families create all kinds of meals. It could be a meal on a plate with two different kinds of foods, or it could be a basket with a few different kinds of foods. And everyone goes out of their homes and they bring the gifts to their neighbors and friends. And it's so much fun. And I think it's also a powerful lesson about giving. Now in Hebrew, the word for give is a palindrome. It's nun taf nun. And it's spelled Natan. That is what the word is um, says, Natan. And it's a palindrome. And I think it says a lot about the power of giving, that when we give to others, we're really giving to ourselves. There's something so joyful and so happy about just being generous. And that's a huge takeaway from Purim. On a business note, I recently read a book by Adam Grant called Give and Take, and he talks about the power of giving in our business lives. So often, showing up and giving is what gives us purpose. It's what gives us meaning. And he says that in business, it really goes a long way to be a giver. If you can do something to help someone else, you have every reason to do it. And he said that in order to be a successful giver, because the most successful and the least successful people in business are both givers, but the difference is that a successful giver has the discernment to know, is this something where I can really give at my best? Or is this something where I should delegate? Maybe I should help this person in a different way. Or maybe this is not the right giving opportunity for me. But in any case, it's giving from a place of intention, giving from a place of purpose and consciousness. And it's such a beautiful idea. In terms of business, we can take this even further. Robert Cialdini, who's the author of Influence and Persuasion, talks about marketing and psychology. I recently heard him explain that some of the most powerful things that a business can do is to give. This could be in the form of giving some kind of free sample. He explains that businesses who give out free samples do a lot better because they start by giving. They create a relationship. They create a rapport. You see oftentimes in the digital marketing world, a lot of creators give something out for free. And this serves in many different purposes. Now, it's funny because this morning I was sharing this story with my trainer And I'm not going to mention her name here because I didn't ask her if I could, but she told me a story about years ago, her car broke down and she took, took her car to a local body shop and the owner of the body shop took a look at her car and made some minor fixes and didn't charge her anything. He literally refused to take payment. And she told me that after that happened, she always brings her car to this body shop to get fixed. And She thought that he gave from the bottom of his heart, and I'm sure that he did, but the power of what he did, the power of giving that gift created ongoing business for this body shop. 
That is the power of giving in a nutshell. And there's so much more we can talk about. But before we do, giving on Purim is also to be done for those who are less fortunate. And there's another commandment to actually give money to someone who's less fortunate. And what's so powerful about this custom is that no matter how much you have or how little you might have, there's always something that you can give. There's always something that you can share. You don't have to be extraordinarily wealthy in order to give a little bit. Everybody gets to do their part and everyone gets to be generous in their way. I think what's so powerful about this practice is that every little bit counts, no matter what. You can imagine that over time, making small changes really, really adds up and no amount is too small. No matter what you can give, you are always making a difference. You're making a difference at whatever level you're able to make. And no matter what level you fulfill this mitzvah at, you do it at your level, you fulfill the commandment in the way that you can, it counts the same. Everyone does the commandment and everyone receives credit for doing something at their own level in a way that they uniquely can. Finally, I want to share an insight with you about purpose. And I know that purpose and happiness are closely related, but this is definitely not something that I always understood. So on the holiday of Purim, and really with every single holiday in the Jewish calendar, everything is done for a reason. Everything is done for a purpose. And the power of purpose is tremendous. And it's something that I realized years back. I was going through a hard time health-wise. I was having a lot of health challenges. And I went to go visit a doctor here in Jerusalem. And he's a really special doctor by the name of Dr. Andrew David Schiller. He is Harvard educated. He also went to Duke for integrative medicine, and he's also a spiritual healer. So we sat down and I was sharing with him what my difficulties, and he looked at me and he said, you know, Ozzy, I've seen 20,000 body scans over the course of my career. And sometimes there are two scans that look identical, but the two people from those scans live vastly different lives. And he said, you can see two scans of a back. Person A is in agony. They're literally in agony and they're suffering every day of their lives. Person B is jumping out of bed and they have a skip in their step and they're doing something with purpose. Now, obviously this is an oversimplification and everyone goes through different hard times, pain, and I'm not here to minimize any of that. And I'm not to say that this is like the magic bullet because obviously, again, I'm not a medical doctor, but I think what he said was really, really powerful. And I told him at the time that I was working on a book and I wasn't going to share it with anyone. And he told me that sharing is one of the ways that we can have the most purpose in our lives. And I told him that I was scared. Who am I to publish a Jewish book. I was very intimidated about publishing a book for, about Jewish wisdom. I was afraid I was going to say something wrong or misrepresent it or wouldn't be good enough. Or I, I was going in circles having tons of self-doubt at the time. And he encouraged me to do it. And I went on to do it and I got like 10 editors and you know a bunch of rabbis to look at the book. Um, I overdid it in a lot of ways, but the bottom line was the end result is that I shared it. And there was a lot of purpose for me that came with sharing. And 
I know that I'm at my best when I'm sharing, when I'm giving, when I am serving. So I want to invite you to consider a few things from this episode. I want you to consider what would light you up? What do you want to share? How do you want to serve with purpose in a way that you can give to other people and that you can feel happy and feel inspired, be inspired by purpose? What's one small thing that you can do in order to do that? You can also reflect on this episode in terms of how are you going to connect with the voice of truth and Emmet, and how are you going to let certainty triumph over doubt in your life? All right, lots to consider, lots to explore. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I invite you to be in touch with me. I'm putting all my social links in the show notes as well as my email address so you can reach out and tell me your favorite part of this episode. And you can also request topics and ask questions for future episodes. Before you go, I want to remind you about the 1500 follower giveaway. It's on all of my socials. So click a link in the show notes and visit your favorite social platform. You'll see the details of the giveaway. The giveaway includes a copy of my book, Beyond All Things. It also includes a $150 gift card to Amazon, where you can buy your favorite business books, your favorite costumes, or whatever else you want. And it includes a $1,350 purpose coaching package with me. So there's a lot up for grabs here. We are announcing the winners on March 16th, so check out the show notes or visit drazi.co backslash giveaway. That's D-R-A-Z-I dot C-O backslash giveaway to join in on the fun. All right, everyone, this episode was so much fun. I want to wish you all, if you're celebrating Purim, a very happy Purim. And if you want to learn more about Purim, you can be in touch with me and ask I have tons of resources that I can share with you. I'm going to link to everyone and everything I discussed in the show notes today so that you can check out all these cool resources and teachers. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. We have got an Olympic athlete. We've got a fitness expert. We have a spiritual entrepreneur. We have a world-renowned psychiatrist. We've got so much in store for you on living inspired by purpose in life and business. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast and we'll see you next time.